VegCast. Hey, if you've got spiritual VegCast, enjoy VegCast 117. VegCast, a full menu from first to last. VegCast. Yes, VegCast 117 is a possibly more spiritual podcast than our previous editions of Vegetarian Podcastry, and that is because we are going to be talking with Lisa Levinson about the Vegan Spirituality Retreat. There's one coming up in California very, very soon, and then another one in July back here in our neck of the woods. We'll be getting into all of that. Uh, with Lisa Levinson, and we also will be playing for you a tune by a vegan singer-songwriter, Daniel Redwood, who has a very distinctive style, and I think you're going to enjoy the Sanctuary song. We also will have a science fact for you about the practice of adding arsenic to chicken feed and where that is at uh, lately, uh, according to Johns Hopkins University anyway. Uh, so all of that and more is going to be coming up. And as always, I invite you, the VegCast listener, to sit back, relax, and crank up your MP3 player as we deliver to you this 117th episode of VegCast. As you know, VegCast is sponsored by Tofurky, making delicious, innovative, and affordable meat alternatives from non-GMO organic soy since 1980. And we are going to be speaking now with Lisa Levinson, we're going to be catching up with her on a particular project she's been working on and talking about the wider ramifications of vegan spirituality. Let's go to that now. Okay, right now, returning to VegCast, we are pleased to welcome Lisa Levinson, formerly of Philadelphia, now a West Coast gal. Lisa, uh, welcome back to VegCast. Well, thank you, Vance. So we had uh, we talked to you back on VegCast Four about uh, Public Eye Artists for Animals, a group that you uh, helped found anyway in Philadelphia. That's uh, you know been, done a lot of uh, great stuff here, including the Veggie Cabaret and so forth. Um, and uh, somewhere in between VegCast Four and now, you you decided Philadelphia it was just not uh, big enough to hold you, and you had to expand your your uh, empire out to California, and you you started uh, this organization, Vegan Spirituality, and now uh, we're going to talk about uh, some of what that's doing. Um, but what was uh, what was the actual uh, kind of narrative there? I mean, uh, from my perspective, I just remember we had seemed like we always would have Lisa Levinson around, get things organized, get things done, and then you just uh, disappeared. You went out west. So what <laughs> what was going on from your perspective? Well, actually, I grew up on the West Coast, and yeah. my family's out here, and so I took a, a little sojourn in Philadelphia for about 20 years, and then I, I decided to come back. Okay. Um, but vegan spirituality is something that you just uh, got going, basically, when you went back out there. Is that right, or is that wrong? Well, well actually, 
was something that um, was began actually in Philadelphia. That's where we gave birth to this idea. Um, Sandy Herman, who has participated in many of our public eye events, um, she's an animal bereavement counselor, and she's been part of our our retreats for vegan spirituality. Um, she helped to coin the term mm-hmm. vegan spirituality during conversations that we had, and we decided that it would be great to start that up, to really start up an organization that just focused on the connection between veganism and spirituality. Okay. Um, but uh, I don't. I remember you doing, we're, we're going to be talking about a couple of retreats coming up, uh, which you've done in previous years. You're doing the first one out on the West Coast now, um, but uh, I... I, I don't remember those happening, uh, starting to happen before you went out there, but am I just misremembering? <laughs> Possibly, because we, this year is our fourth annual vegan spirituality retreat okay. on, the West, on the East Coast, right. so in Philadelphia on July 20th. That'll be our fourth annual. And when I moved out to California is when we um, brought this, organization over to the West Coast and decided to go with a more national scope, and um, we're offering our very first West Coast vegan spirituality retreat. The first annual one is happening, coming up very soon. It'll be June 1st in Malibu. Yeah, that's, that is coming up, and uh, let's just talk about what the vegan spirituality retreat is. I mean, it uh, it seems to have elements of a uh, of a conference but also it's a retreat it's something that you know you you're going there kind of to relax but you're also learning things and uh there's also seems to be a place uh for for companion animals in the whole in the whole mix which is something that uh kind of sets it apart oh yeah that's something unique about our retreats and the reason is because our retreats are really about building community and a community of people who have chosen to be vegan for ethical and spiritual reasons. Mm-hmm. And so we offer yoga and meditation, and we try to direct those practices more towards a vegan a vegan mindset. So the meditations have to do with connecting with all living beings. The mm-hmm. yoga is about connecting to the earth and relates to uh, vegan spirituality. Um, we also have speakers each year. Last year we had Ray Sikora, mm-hmm. um, and this year we'll be having Dr. Will Tuttle, who's kind of like the father of pagan spirituality in many ways, mm-hmm. because he's addressed it real thoroughly in his book, World Peace Diet. Right. Um, so, and then we offer this this um, ritual, and uh, Sandy calls it the vegan spirituality in action, because it's an animal blessing that we did offer when we were in Philadelphia yeah. through public eye artists for animals, right. but we've ad- kind of adapted that and put it into the retreat as part of our ceremony, and it's a great opportunity to honor animals that are around the world, and we do that by creating a um, vision of harmony between humans and animals and really um, offering a ritual to offer, like, support animals that are suffering around the world, um, and then also to be grateful for animals that uh, are in our lives and those that have passed over. So it's a combination of a celebration, but it also has an activist flavor to it. Okay. And the animals are in the mix because people bring their companion animals, they can be with them all day, and then it's the 
closing of the retreat, when we do the ceremony, they, um, there's a uh, Reiki blessing that they're given. And Reiki is like hands-on healing. So they receive like hands-on healing as, with the community as part of the event. Great. Well, and so uh, in terms of uh, what, how you're conveying both veganism and spirituality, I mean, you're kind of adding a vegan flavor to some spiritually oriented practices and then also uh, vice versa. I mean, is there, what what can people expect, you know, do they go at this just to immerse themselves in this or is it, is there, you know, stuff that uh, you're learning, you're workshopping the, the spiritual aspect or, you know, is it more like just a, uh, like a church of the animals? What's, what's the, the general concept there? <laughs> church. It is a sacred space that we create, and the idea is to bring that feeling of spirituality, that sacred sacredness into our everyday lives, and part of the intention of the event is to um, really celebrate being vegan and also to acknowledge that being vegan is part of who we are on a spiritual level and to nurture that in ourselves. So it's different than saying, well, you know, this is just what I choose to wear, or this is what I choose to eat. It's about acknowledging this is the fiber of my being. Mm-hmm. Being compassionate for all living beings is is who I am. And so other people who feel that way, when they connect, it, it creates a sense of belonging, a sense of community that's rooted very deep. It's a deep root in the, in the earth, in the animals, and in our sense of um, love and connection to each other. Okay, great. And so uh, let's be sure that we have uh, the details here. I'll obviously have links to these events in our show notes. Uh, but the West Coast one is coming up on June 1st. And then uh, you're back on the East Coast with it in July. Did you say July 20th? Yes, yeah, July okay. 20th. And uh, Will Tuttle is uh, the speaker at the West Coast. Is he also going to be out for the, for the East Coast one as well? Yes, he is. Man, he's like he's a real globe trotter, but I guess I'll <laughs> be seeing him at Summerfest, so he won't be too far away uh, a little oh, before then. Actually, so. we are getting him on his way back from Switzerland. Wow. Okay, mm-hmm. you're, you're <laughs> trotting around as well. Um, so uh, let me just ask, in terms of the the companion animals, because that is kind of a unique aspect. Was there? Anything in your life in, with a companion animal that uh, that made you, that either had an impact on your veganism or made you look at your veganism from a more spiritual way? Is that something that, uh, that you know, that came about from something, you know, with a companion animal or you just were looking at it kind of from the big picture and said we should, uh, we should be sure to include this? Well, we started the blessing of the animals because we wanted to offer a place that people could come and um, kind of process some of their feelings when they had an animal companion pass away. Mm-hmm. Because in our culture, we don't really have a place to do that. Many people are just um, faced with this uh, sense of being alone and being bereft because most people don't understand. They don't. They say, well, it's just your, your, your pet. And um, for many of us, it's a deeper bond than that. And... Um, so in our group, part of what we did is just when we started the vegan spirituality um, uh, like meet, uh, meetings and gatherings and things, we would meet and 
when some uh, one of our members, their their companion animal passed away, we offer a lot of support for them. And then this idea of offering support in a more public way, where you could get the kind of um, you know consideration and validation that that we need when we're going through that type of experience, um, we decided to create an environment where that would be. Um, that would be fostered, like that would be an acceptable thing to do, would be to talk about your companion animal who passed away, um, and then also to celebrate the ones that are living. Um, so we wanted to do a, a blessing of the animals that was a little different than your, your regular one offered by many churches. This one is a community celebration. There's a drum circle with vegan drums. There's dancing. There's um, bringing in images, and there's a lot of rituals that we do each um there are four parts to the ceremony, and each each part has a different ritual that helps people to, um, you know, honor animals in some way. Um, we even honor animals who are suffering around the world, and we'll say out loud, like, you know, the, Santa, the, the mountain lion that was killed in Santa Monica, you know, we'll name specific things. So it's, it's definitely educational. People learn all about what's going on with animals around the world during the ceremony. Um, and it's a place also for people to speak up and be heard. Right. Okay. Well, and so just in the the larger uh, vegan community, I mean, do you see the vegan spirituality uh, as an organization and as a an activist force, like uh, you know, contributing to the larger uh, kind of mix in in the vegan community, or you you think that uh, you know we should pretty much all kind of be going in this direction or how do you how do you see it uh, you know basically uh, serving the the larger vegan community sure well it's, that's interesting the way you put that because um, in our groups because we have monthly meetings uh-huh. that we we have locally these monthly they're either a meetup group or a local we call them the vegan spirituality group and we meet and we discuss the various issues um, we also have a potluck. Sometimes we have speakers, and that's to build community on a local level. And then we meet regionally for these retreats. Um, the the um, be- beginning of that, where we were uh, talking about bringing in um, different people and different ideas, we wanted to do that so that people could um, feel this sense of a larger community mainly because a lot of people, and as they become vegan, they don't have that. They kind of lack that that sense of um, connection to others. They're faced with being the only vegan in, in their workplace or um, at their church. And so we wanted to create an environment where they wouldn't be alone, that they would feel um, a connection. Mm-hmm. And I had read that that was one of the main reasons people stopped being vegan was because they just didn't have the social infrastructure there to continue it. So I wanted to create a venue for that, um, places to talk about that, and also to explore what does it really mean. We met many vegans who um, were the only one of their kind. They thought they didn't even know there were other people um, who did this. And it was really fun to kind of unearth these people and have them share their experiences. Um, and other people that I've met who have been vegan for many years, they just never took the, um, they never thought of it as a spiritual practice. But once they realized this is so much of who I am, 
that it, I can't separate it from myself. Mm-hmm. They start to, to acknowledge it. Um, I think in our culture, there's a lot of people kind of uh, looking for that sense of connection to themselves, to others, to the world around them, um, which is what I call it, spiritual feeling. And they're looking for that, and they're not finding it in some of the more traditional places, maybe a church or synagogue. Uh, and if, if they're not identifying with that, and they are vegan, this might be something to help them feel a sense of community and connection. And so that's that's a big part of it. That's why we're doing this. Right. And some people also are still connected to their traditional um you know, churches, synagogues, um, whatever practice they have, and this is something they add on to help them feel connected to this community. Okay, it sounds great. But uh, you, I got to ask, since you talk about, you know, the feeling of this is who I am, and the feeling of a, you know, a foundational uh, kind of aspect of, of identity uh, within the vegan community, there is uh, somewhat of a uh, a disagreement among different parts on the question within uh, U.S. law as to whether veganism should be considered a religion uh, because, you know, in cases where, for example, prisoners uh, are do not want to eat non-vegan food, but there are not necessarily provisions to, uh, to recognize that and to accommodate them uh, be- because it's, you know, not officially a religion, and yet for the people there... You know, it it seems to them to be just as important and just as uh, foundational to their identity as any other uh, religion would be. And I realize spirituality does, doesn't mean religion, but uh, I wondered what was your take on on that in terms of uh, whether we should be actually out there trying to get that that legal uh, definition, or whether that's you know, something that just uh, might pull it in the wrong direction. I mean, what, what's what's your take? Well, that's been a hot topic in our vegan spirituality group, actually. Uh-huh. Um, I brought in an article by Stanley Capone, who writes, um, he has a website called Vegan Values, right. and he's written several times about this idea, is veganism a religion, and citing many court cases where folks don't want to take vaccines, and they, they say due to religious grounds, and the courts have turned that down various times. I think recently it was upheld um, in a court case. Yeah. So this is a big issue, and when I discuss, like, is this a religion or is it a spiritual practice, most people in the vegan spirituality groups, they, they prefer it as a spiritual path mm-hmm. um, rather than calling it a religion. Um, but I think that... Um, for the vegan community, it would be really beneficial to have veganism um, looked at as its own spiritual practice, like a to have its own particular um, you know set of guidelines and traditions. Because I think it will help folks when they're trying to um, uphold their own belief systems. Mm-hmm. And I'm considering looking into turning this organization into what's called a 501c4, which is a recognized um, charity and instead of a, a nonprofit organization. And what that would mean is it, it would have the same type of um, incorporation as a church or synagogue. So that would offer some another sense of validation that, yes, this is practice, a spiritual practice that's um, you know, 
some sort of denomination, whether it's a religion or not, um, that's going to be at how up to each individual, how they feel about it. I've talked to many people who say veganism is my religion, and um, they live their lives that way. So right. I think that this is like a, a super hot topic, and I'm hoping that the emergence of vegan spirituality as a uh, Perhaps a charity organization will, will help to fill in some of those gaps. Um, and one of the, in the article by Stanley Sapone, where he mentioned the reasons that the court had rejected um, the claim of veganism being a religion, he cited like five different reasons. And I went over those reasons with my group, and we all decided, well, actually, we do have all of those things mm-hmm. in, our, in our practice. Um, so if we were to go, back uh, into that courtroom, we would be able to defend veganism as, as a religion according to that particular court. They didn't say it had anything to do with having a higher power. They also, um, but they did say it had to do with making decisions based on key core values, having traditions and rituals, which we do have, and we're also creating those. Right. Okay, well, and you're, like, creating them as as you go along, and the Vegan Spirituality Retreat, I guess, is, uh, is a big part of kind of establishing uh, kind of institutional, not even institutional, but just uh, long-held uh, practices, and maybe uh, I'm sure, you know, when people get out there, that that's another topic that uh, people might uh, get into conversations about at the retreat. Uh, so these are... Uh, coming out June 1st on the West Coast, July 20th on the East Coast. Will Tuttle is going to be uh, at both, uh, and we'll have the link in the show notes. People can go uh, wherever they are, uh, East or West, and uh, hopefully check that out, uh, see about uh, going to one of those. And uh, other than the vegan spirituality retreats, is there? do you have any anyth- anything on the horizon for vegan spirituality that... Uh, you're expanding. I mean, you just expanded this this idea from one coast to the other. Is that you know enough for now, or are you pushing it forward? <laughs> well, actually, my vision is that um, people will be interested in starting local vegan spirituality groups just to, to talk more about you know vegan this idea of, of kind of elevating veganism in in our culture to be a spiritual practice. Um, and to discuss it and to to have more you know conversations about it in in people's homes and and you know vegan restaurants things like that so those those local groups can then meet up at these regional retreats and so i'm I'm open to expanding a bit more into different regions where people feel like they'd like to have a ritual like this. Great. The idea is just to kind of spread this message and offer this network all around the country where people can feel connected and um, supported with their vegan vegan values, vegan choices. Um, it's not it's not at all like a profit-making thing. There's really no profit in it at all. It's more just to, um, you know, sustain the retreats themselves. Mm-hmm. And the idea is to kind of spread the vegan message of love and compassion, and I think this is one way to do that. Great. Can I mention one thing? If people yeah. are curious, if they could just go to the website, it's veganspirituality.com, uh-huh. and they can register their retreats there, but they can also just look around the site and, and check it out. Great. All right, well, that'll be in the show notes, of course. You really uh, are 
getting that to happen, and I got to congratulate you on that and wish you luck with those. That's Vegan Spirituality Retreat, and uh, we're pretty much out of time, but Lisa Levinson, thanks for joining us on VegCast. You are someone not something you're welcome here with your broken wing or wounded leg or branded skin this is your home now come on in Known the pain, now feel the joy. What God has made, no man should destroy. From this day on, in the sun and rain, you can roam through these fields free. Jump and play till the cows come home. Hang out with your friends, cause you are not alone. I want to tell the world what they've done to you so wrong. I want to sing for you a sanctuary song. It means as much to you as mine to me. I know that this is true. Your loving heart reaches out to mine, and the light in your eyes made all. the time this is the place for us all to feel compassion's healing grace and pray for peace for all who share this one earthly home so green so cows come home hang out with your friends yes cause you are not alone I want to tell the world what they've done to you so wrong I want to sing for you this sanctuary song may the whole world sing for you 
may the whole world be for you a sanctuary song. That is Daniel Redwood with Sanctuary Song. Someone, not something. And that's from his album Songs for Animals, People, and the Earth. And uh, you can find out more about Daniel and his music at danielredwoodsongs.com. We'll have a link in our show notes. And I thought this uh, song by Daniel and uh, just featuring his music in general on this podcast fit well with the overall theme of vegan spirituality. A very spiritual uh, type of songwriter in terms of uh, mixing uh, social justice with uh, compassion and uh, kind of an outlook that is very much congruent with uh, what Lisa Levinson was talking about. And also uh, Daniel became vegan partially uh, through the influence of Will Tuttle, which is another tie since we were talking a lot about Will in that conversation. So I encourage you to go check out more of Daniel Redwood at DanielRedwoodSongs.com. But right now, it's time to move from music to the science Our science fact for VegCast 117 is study finds an increase in arsenic levels in chicken. This is a little write-up from a paper called the New York Times. Researchers at Johns Hopkins University said they found levels of arsenic in chicken that exceeded amounts that occur naturally and warned that they could lead to a small increase in the risk of cancer for consumers over a lifetime. A spokesman for the chicken industry said the levels found by researchers were low, but the researchers contend that the elevated levels are important because the Food and Drug Administration has not banned the drug Roxarsone, and it is still being sold abroad. Now, this is a drug that uh, chicken producers are using that seems to produce uh, more arsenic and a different kind of arsenic that makes it uh, pretty troubling. Uh, the story continues... Roxarzone and a chemically similar drug, uh, nitarzone, remain the last federally approved uses of arsenic in food production, uh, said Keeve Nachman, uh, the uh, lead author on the study. Uh, it promotes drug. Uh, sorry, it promotes growth and makes meat look pinker. It contains organic arsenic, which is far less toxic than its inorganic counterpart. For decades, it was believed that animals simply excreted organic arsenic, but evidence is emerging that it may also be converted into its carcinogenic cousin in the body of the chicken. The study, which measured inorganic arsenic levels in chicken, found roxarsone in about half the samples. The researchers said they tested meat samples that were gathered from December 2010 to June 2011 before the sale of roxarsone was suspended because they wanted to examine whether the drug led to increased levels of inorganic arsenic. And as we go along here, the study estimated that the exposure could cause an additional 124 deaths in the country annually from lung and bladder cancer if the drug were fed to all chickens. Uh, Of course, we don't have to worry about that because chicken producers and meat producers in general, as we know, are very, very cautious with their applications of drugs in those food animals. Uh, The National Chicken Council said the findings reflected, quote, very low levels of arsenic, unquote, and were not worrisome. 
And uh, in conclusion, Dr. Nachman said that Zoetis, the company that uh, produces Roxarzone, currently sells a similar arsenic-based drug, Nidarzone, which is approved for use in chickens and turkeys. The company's spokeswoman, Eleanor White, said Nidarzone was not a substitute for Roxarzone and that scientific data supported its safety. The FDA spokesman said the agency, quote, continues to investigate all uses of arsenic-based drugs in food-producing animals and we'll take the appropriate action to protect public health. So I guess we can all rest easy now that the FDA is on the case, knowing how stringent they are about uh, the safety of our food. Uh, I'm not going to go on with a lot of snark on this one. Uh, I did try to find something more congruent with our kind of uh, our vegan spirituality theme for this podcast. But in a way, I wanted to just highlight that this is what it's come to. We're arguing about how much poison that's being intentionally added to meat. People, the American consumer, the Western consumer, should go ahead and uh, just suck up. They should just go ahead and, and eat it because, you know, it's probably not going to kill them anytime soon so who cares if we're poisoning chickens and poisoning people uh, as long as it as it's at a moderately low level that just seems to uh, indicate that our culture is a little bit out of whack and we uh, should probably start heading in a, a different direction from the direction of putting poison into the food that we're selling to people and uh, if we don't do that then it's going to have to be reported right here on the Science Fact. All right, we are just about out of time for VegCast 117. But uh, before we go, we did mention June 1st uh, will be a vegan spirituality retreat out there on the West Coast. If you're anywhere within the sound of my voice out there, I should probably try to check that out. But if you're back here on the East Coast, uh, there is also another event on June 1st in Rehoboth Beach, Delaware, which is uh, not all that far from Philadelphia and a lot of places, in fact, uh, in the Northeast Corridor. Uh, they're going to be having a veg fest down there all day. There's info at rehobothvegfest.org. And so that's another thing that you should probably uh, try to check out if you're interested in vegetarianism, veganism, and uh, happenings and uh, people that are going to have speakers, uh, people from PCRM, from Compassion Over Killing, John Schlimm uh, of Grilling Vegan Style. He'll be there. It's going to be a, a fun time. So I encourage people to check that out. But in the meantime, I'm afraid we have got to get out of here. Okay, that is it for VegCast 117. I want to thank our sponsor, Tofurky who's been making delicious, innovative, and affordable meat alternatives from non-GMO organic soy since 1980. I want to thank Lisa Levinson for talking with us about vegan spirituality and the vegan spirituality retreats. And thanks uh, to Daniel Redwood for sending us Sanctuary Song uh, and giving us permission to play that. And thank you, of course, to VegCast listener for downloading and subscribing to VegCast. We'll be back in June. Till then, please get out there and live like you mean it. Hey.